What's up, heroes? This is part two of our interview with Zach Jablow, also known as Professor Fox, a Grammy-nominated music educator, commercial songwriter, and record producer for major record labels and independent clients. You've probably heard his music in television commercials, motion pictures, and television programming. Clients include Mac Miller, Currency, Wu-Tang Clan, Absol, Chance the Rapper, Vic Mensa, GLC, Carbon Tigers, and Sidewalk Chalk. During his diverse career, he's consulted with The Ellen DeGeneres Show, The USO, Front Row Productions, HGTV, Miller Coors, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Moet, Hennessy, and Red Bull. He's toured globally with Lieutenant Dan Band, and he's given a TED Talk. Currently, Zach is a creative strategist at Brain Candy Management, where he's shaping new opportunities for artists within the Nashville music community and globally. Make sure you listen to part one of the interview first, where Zach offered some great advice on things you should do before quitting your day job, as well as discussing Greater Than's unique approach to sync licensing. You can listen to that over at ProducerLifePodcast.com, episode 59. Today, Zach geeks out with us about his favorite studio hardware and plugins, shares tips on time management, and talks about how to bring out a singer's best in a recording session. A microphone is like a photograph, so... A photographer is going to take a lot of time to set up the lighting, to set up the angles, to set up the hair, to set up the makeup. They're going to do a lot of test runs. They never just walk right in and and hit shoot and say, okay, we're done. We got it. But first, cue the intro music. terms of selling yourself, I mean, you, it sounds like you had a lot of music industry connections from your teaching days for somebody that doesn't have those sorts of connections to begin with. What would you say are the most important things in terms of selling yourself? Well, just to kind of echo what you said, I used my, I'm a teacher card to make my industry connections. And one of the things that I think is so important is The music industry is filled with people who were at their worst, at their just rock bottom before anything good happened to them. And when they have an opportunity to pay something forward, they do. And as an up and coming producer, as a, you know, cutting your teeth songwriter, as somebody who's just getting started, you need to be able to express that you're just getting started, that you are hungry, that you are looking for opportunities. Don't be too cool. I was able to get Lady Gaga's songwriting and production staff to come into my school right before they played at Lollapalooza by introducing myself to DJ White Shadow at a bar and just saying, oh, hi, I'm a teacher. Would you like to come talk to my students? And the other thing about the music industry is Almost everybody loves to talk about themselves. Look at why I'm on this podcast. So if you give somebody a platform to shed their expertise by asking them for their help, nine out of 10 times they will. And if they say no, it's either one, now is not a good time. Don't be afraid to follow up with them. Or two, they're just part of my French, a jerk. And you should avoid them anyway. So it's... It's never beyond you to ask for help from somebody. It doesn't matter where they are in their career. People that got to a good place musically 
have gone through hell and back to get there. And if they can make somebody's life a little easier, and I'm speaking from all the people that I've known and all the people that I've worked with, they're still people. They're still compassionate and they would love to help. So get on Twitter, get on Instagram, get in your DMs and just say, hey, Zach told me to ask for help. Okay, terrific. A, a lot of the people you mentioned earlier that you've worked with were in the Chicago rap scene. Yeah. Um, can you offer my producers any advice about working with rap vocals? Do you have favorite plugins, favorite tips? Can you geek out with us a little bit? Oh, man, absolutely. So if you're – I'm more of like a hybrid kind of guy. I love my, my analog gear so, so much, but I obviously – have to use plugins all the time. Nobody has enough money to just be purely outside of the box anymore. But <laughs> for me, my rap vocal chain is typically a Vanguard V3 and a or a V13 and a Vanguard V4. And I put the two mics in kind of like a stereo position. One is very dark, one is very bright. And then my chain is, I'll run one through a uh, 1073, which is the Neve 1073 preamp. And then I'll run another one through a Lola, which is made by Hairball. And this combination, again, is one that's kind of very big and boisterous and another one that's kind of more precise. And then I'll use a Brute, which is kind of like an LA2 style compressor, and then an 1176 and I just blend all of those until I've got that right, right sound. But another thing to think about with rap vocals is they're all over the place. And so when you're getting your dynamic performance, you want to make sure that your artist understands what it means to play the mic. And so when I say play the mic, I mean, they should be trained if they're not doing so already. This is where you as a producer have to come in and guide them the closer they are to the mic is obviously going to affect things like the lower end resonance or the plosives and the further away from the mic is going to detract all of that information. So the louder and the more aggressive that they are, depending on where they are on the microphone is going to affect the outcome of that take. And so what you should do, no matter what your setup is, if you have more than one mic and more than one preamp is play with the room, play with the position, have your artist dedicate about 30 minutes to just finding a position in the room and finding a position on mic that they, that they think sounds good, that you think sounds good, tape it off, and then make a little radius with some tape and say, don't go outside of these lines. <laughs> okay. That helps out tremendously. And especially if you have some rappers that are really like, they, this is a, a, a Professor Foxism. I give, not everybody, but I give a lot of my more flamboyant performers a Shure SM57 to just hold, and then they pretend that they're performing, and they really get into it just by having that little prop. And then all of a sudden, the, the take goes from like a 7 or an 8 to a 12 or a 13 in energy. That's a great idea, especially for somebody that's used to being up on stage. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And lighting, that's super important. Just having a conversation with your artist so that like, this is always something that, 
that I see um, happen when I'm working outside of my studio or working with new clients is sometimes there's just not like a connection and you can't really force the connection, but what you can do is you can just try to meet your artist. If this is your first time working together, have a conversation with them about, you know, if you were to shoot a music video for this, what would it look like? And let them really start getting excited about what's about to happen when you hit record. And that can make the world of difference about getting a take. So remember that it's as fun as it is, you're being paid, but your name is on it too. And you want the best that you can get from it. And music is a pure expression of how somebody felt in a moment. And then a performance is how they feel about that moment right now. And you want to do your best to capture it. It's like a photo, like a microphone is like a photograph. So a photographer is going to take a lot of time to set up the lighting, to set up the angles, to set up the hair, to set up the makeup. They're going to do a lot of test runs. They never just walk right in and, and hit shoot and say, okay, we're done. We got it. So if you think about it like that, think of all the care that goes into a photo shoot and treat your recording session the same way. The lighting needs to be right. The artist needs to be comfortable. The, the, the tones have to be dialed in. So it doesn't matter the genre. It doesn't matter the budget. Take the time, take the care, and that artist is going to remember that. And that artist is going to talk about that. And that artist is going to have friends who are going to come to you for that exact reason. And that's going to be what separates you from your competition is because you showed that effort. This is a tricky question, but how do you know how long is enough? I know our mutual friend, Danny Felt, um, who was on the podcast a couple of episodes back, talked about a 14-hour recording session for her single, Queen. And that just seemed like a ridiculous amount of time to spend in the studio um, for anybody's voice. My philosophy and this is coming from being a recording engineer for close to 15 years now is like, if you're not going to get it by take 15, you're probably not going to get it by take 55. And it's not always a performance thing. It's sometimes a mental thing. They could be just not in the zone, like mentally, they could be distracted. They could be thinking about a million other things, or if they're too focused on the take, then they're going to be in their head about it and nothing they do is going to work for them. They're just not going to like anything that comes out of that speaker. Whether you're not, you love the take, it, it boils down to how they perceive their performance. And so sometimes you just have to know when to say, you know what, let's, let's take a break or let's just come back another day. And there's no shame in that. It doesn't reflect on the artist. It doesn't reflect on you as a producer or an engineer. It's just not in the cards for the day. Okay. Once you've gotten the recording through the mics, the preamps, and into the box, uh, do you have favorite soft plugins that you use? Oh, man. So right now, the L-Ray compressor is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite new purchases. Uh, It's by a company called Acoustica. And they also just released the Mike Dean Game Station channel strip, which... If you like to just mangle your sounds and get really weird 808s and crunchy guitars, I recommend that too. Um, Low Air, the Waves plugin, is just a staple for me. It is the secret to a lot of my 808s. Um, Cymatics just made their very first plugin. It's called Diablo, and I use it as a soft clipper. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're saying, what is a soft clipper? Do your homework. 
that will make a world of difference for almost every channel in your uh, in your session, but especially on your master bus. And then finally, Cornef Audio Pawn Shop Compressor and Cornef Audio uh, AIP. Wow, just game changers for me. Okay, great. Diablo just came out actually today, or at least their full version. The light version came out a few weeks ago, I believe. Yeah, I was I was getting eighty five texts from Cymatics this morning. <laughs> they are certainly um, aggressive about their marketing. Yeah, yeah they, were- they, they do a great job. They've got they've got some amazing packs and uh, good people there in Atlanta. Um. Okay, so we've we've talked about production. We talked about teaching. I, I guess if we could get a little more serious for a moment, um, obviously production and, and whatnot is serious, but that's fun. That's serious fun. You've had a lot worse twenty twenty than many people. You've you've had a really rough year. In fact, you even made the news in Nashville this past year. Um, can you kind of talk about that, or would you like to talk about that? Sure, sure. Because I still think that. You know, it's my my uh, ability to use my platform to educate. And I think the reason why I was on the news was because I was so vocal about what happened to me. Uh, so at the top of the year, I was let go from SAE, where I was teaching. And that was obviously a very stressful thing for me. And then the pandemic hits, and that becomes more stressful. And eventually, I think my stress just caught up to me so much that I had a full-blown heart attack. And it was the scariest thing that I've ever lived through. And I now have a stint in my heart that keeps it uh, from closing. And that's a pretty wild thing for a 30-year-old to say. Uh, But it came out of nowhere, and it was very humbling, and it was this just reminder that Life is precious, and you should not let stress get the best of you, which is, of course, easier said than done. But it really changed my perspective on how I operate, how I prioritize things. We are so ingrained to think that the harder you work, the closer to success you're going to be. And I still feel like there is a lot of proof in that pudding. But if you're burnt out by the time that success lands on your doorstep, you're either going to sleep through it or you're not going to be well rested enough to, you know, answer the task at hand. And so for me, I had just started a family. Um, I was engaged. I had a baby on the way. And then I woke up in the hospital with uh, getting heart surgery. And it, it made me think like, okay, I need to just slow down. And since doing so, I noticed that the quality of my work really just just took off because I was, I think I went from juggling like three or four projects at a time, doing a great job, but now just taking one project on and giving that all of my attention, it allowed for me to just stick to a schedule. And that is one of the most important things that came out of this heart attack was I subscribe now to something called time blocks. And basically what it allows me to do is I'm up every morning at a certain time. And by eight o'clock, I am, I've already hit X amount of milestones that I had set up for myself the day before. 
And then between eight and 10 are my free hours, basically. I put my baby to nap. And then from eight to 10, I can choose to exercise. I can choose to watch TV. I can choose to make a beat. doesn't matter. But then by 10 o'clock, I've got my whole workday planned out. And basically, I just block out everything that I want to do. And then by the time 5.30 rolls around, I've got two 15-minute blocks to wind down and come to a resting place or come to a stop for my day. And then I can separate work life from family life, from personal life. And then at 6 o'clock, I'm just in a whole other headspace. And it is amazing because I used to be up at you know, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, just trying to crunch, trying to scramble to do whatever I could. And obviously that wasn't healthy for me. So these time blocks and, and being able to just kind of turn off work have been great. Another thing that changed my life and as simple and silly as it might sound is I moved my phone out of my bedroom and into the kitchen. So at night, if any kind of notification comes, the light, the sound, the vibration, none of it bothers me. And I sleep soundly now. And uh, yeah, so I had a heart attack. It sucked. But I, I used that to tell everybody, look, I know the pandemic is, is terrifying. But if you were to go to a hospital, I think you're going to be okay. And don't don't risk not going to the emergency room or seeing a doctor because you're afraid of getting COVID. Okay. That, that, that seems like incredibly important advice for, for people to hear right now. Cause I, I think there are a lot of people out there that are delaying important medical care for fear of COVID, which, you know, is yeah. legit a, a major fear, but um, you know, so is having a heart attack. Yeah. And stress, stress can like manifest itself in any kind of form. And if your body is, is, fighting stress, then your immune system, your mental health, your physical health, they're all going to get deteriorated as well. And so then you just become more susceptible to getting sick, whether it is COVID or even just a a cough. But you just want to make sure that your head is right. And I think that taking whatever time you have to, you know, stay at home and quarantine, this is really a time to do a lot of soul searching. This is a time to practice meditation or practice just journaling or practice these time blocks, whatever it is that helps you feel more in control of your every day. Because I know for me, quarantine, I could, it could be a Friday and it could feel like a Tuesday and I didn't know if I was coming or going. And so just, just being able to kind of disconnect when you want to is, is the best power to have in any profession, but especially in a creative one. Where can people learn more about time blocks? That was, I've never heard of that before. How did you originally get into that? Yeah. So I think the easiest way to do your, your research on time block is just YouTube. I'm such a big fan of YouTube University. And if you just search time blocks, that's going to, it's going to yield a lot of great results though. I mean, I just watched the first video and then I went down this, uh, this guy's rabbit hole and I wish I could remember his name to give him a shout out, but um, just the very first video on time blocks. And it's a pretty simple concept. I can explain it in 12 seconds. It's just a matter of allocating chunks of time to what you want to accomplish. And for me, I started out with 15 minute blocks. So that way I was planning my day down to the 15 minutes. 
And I chose 15 minutes because the average, you know, keyboard tutorial on YouTube is 15 minutes or the average investing tutorial is 15 minutes. Or if I wanted to watch a show, the average show is two blocks of 15 minutes. So for me, 15 minutes was, was great. And then I felt like I had the most control over my day. But if you wanted to even just do hours or half hours or two hours, as long as you're just kind of putting your, your day into a visual place, it really helps you see like, wow, I'm either accomplishing a lot in my day or I'm wasting a ton of time where I could be way more productive. And just as a sidebar, if you're really into this kind of thing, I recommend a book called The 12-Week Year. And Haterade actually told me about The 12-Week Year. And upon completion of the book, you should be accomplishing in 12 weeks what other people accomplish in a full year or 52 weeks. And so far, it's got me revved up. Okay. I will find a link to that and include that in the show notes. You have had an amazing career. Um, you've worked with musicians on Ellen DeGeneres. You've managed a USO tour for the Lieutenant Dan Band. You've uh, given a TED Talk. When you're talking with your grandkids one day, what is one of the stories you're looking forward to telling them? Oh, wow. What a cool question that is. I think one of my favorite stories will be the TED Talk. Because the TED Talk really encompassed so much of my like personal life, my personal relationship with music, my education background and just my passion for connecting the people through music and so yeah i think i think the ted talk would be at the forefront of that conversation okay any particular moments stand out to you from that event yes so i wrote the ted talk from the understanding that music is the universal language and we know how cliche that is but I truly believe that you could play me a song in any language and I would be able to accurately guess if it was a happy song or a sad song. And even just reducing something to that level is still pretty complex when you think of, I don't know what I'm listening to other than notes and just like the way that a combination of notes form a melody can reflect the artist's intention, I think is just, that's what's cool. That's what to me makes music so amazing is I can help somebody feel what I felt or I can help somebody express what they don't know how to express just through a song. Like if I am sad, I listen to a sad song. I don't know why, but a happy song doesn't do anything for me when I'm sad. I want to get better by listening to somebody else be sad also. And so for my TED talk, I chose uh, green to indicate major key red to indicate a minor key, and I put together a slideshow. And on the screen, I would present an image. And everybody in the audience had a red glow stick and a green glow stick. And based on what we saw from the majority of the audience, each reaction changed the mode of the song. And we built a song from scratch. I had a violinist on the stage, and I was programming uh, drum breaks and sample loops uh, through my push. And we basically manifested a song with 4,000 people in the audience. And it was just such a cool experience to see 
everybody pitch in based on their reaction to just this sense that they had. They saw something, they felt something, and they heard something. Fantastic. I, I really enjoyed the TED Talk. That was one of the first things I watched when I heard you were going to be a guest on the show. So I will also link that in the show notes. Thank you. What is, what's next for you? I understand you've got a debut solo album coming soon. I, I keep saying coming soon, but you know, it's always in the works. But I just released my very first single from the album about four months ago. I'm getting the second single uh, mixed and having the video produced. So Professor Fox will definitely have a body of work out this year. But for me, moving forward, I am so excited to have this creative space uh, open, the one that is being built in Madison. I am very excited to continue to do these live workshops. Um, once I'm in a better place, uh both with the studio and just ready to, to tackle teaching again. Uh, I will be doing weekly lectures that are going to be for free. We're going to cover everything, music business, production, um, entrepreneurship, marketing. We're going to talk about, we're going to run the gamut. And then uh, I'm just, I'm just taking it a day at a time. You know, I don't want to put too much pressure on, on 2021 because it's, it was a weird year last year and I just want to, just want to ride the wave. Okay. And where can people find those uh, those lectures that you're planning on posting? So I, I primarily live on Instagram right now, but mm-hmm. it's at the underscore Professor Fox. So it's at T-H-E underscore Professor Fox and Professor Fox is all one word. Fantastic. Any other places you want to send our listeners? Yeah, if anybody is interested in learning more about what my company Brain Candy does, you can find us on Facebook at Brain Candy Management or just go straight to braincandymgmt.com. And I would love to hear your songs. Again, my email address is Zachary, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y, at braincandymgmt.com. And if you just have general questions, if you want me to check out your Twitch channel, if you want me to, you know, look at your kid's art and put it on my fridge, send it on over. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. Well, fantastic. I really appreciate your time today. It's been a, been a great talk and uh, maybe we'll have you back on in, in uh, six months or a year to talk about your album and uh, give us an update. I would be honored. I would be honored. Thank you again so much for having me. This was, this was a blast. Here's some of my key takeaways from part two. First, Remember that every musician, no matter how big, started somewhere and had to work hard to get where they are. If you're just getting started and you're humble, most will be willing to help out if you just ask and don't try to be too cool. Second, when you're working with a vocalist, make sure that they're comfortable. Think about all the effort that goes into a photo shoot and try to treat a recording session similarly. Have a conversation and establish a rapport. A good question is to ask them about ideas they may have for a music video for the track they're working on. This will help them get really excited about the session. Props can also help. Some singers and rappers are more comfortable with a mic in their hand, even if they're not actually recording anything. Also, if you haven't gotten the right vocal take by 15, you're probably not going to get it by 55. They may just not be in the right headspace, so wrap it up and try again another day. Third, We talk a lot about hard work and the grind, 
But none of that matters if your health fails or you burn yourself out. You have to take care of yourself and manage your stress. Zach feels like slowing down and focusing on one project at a time helps him improve the quality of his work, and he recommends time blocking to help increase your productivity. I've got lots of links for you over in the show notes page, so head over to ProducerLifePodcast.com and look for episode 60. If you found this episode helpful, please leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. I'd love to feature some of those reviews on future episodes. Oh, and speaking of future episodes, next week I've got an absolutely epic guest. I'm thrilled to announce that Approaching Nirvana is going to be on the show. If you haven't heard of Approaching Nirvana, head over to Google. You will be blown away by Andrew's music and his numbers on Spotify and YouTube. So, until next week, this is the House Ninja reminding you to be somebody's hero today. Thank you.